It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello there and welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host today because Scott isn't here, Ben Roy Turner, and I'm joined by Josh Brown. Hello. And Benjamin Richardson. Hello. So today we thought we would sort of dwell in sorrow and sadness and talk about cancelled video games that we never really got. What else are we going to do on a Wednesday? Like, it's hump day, yeah. For it, yeah. So I asked uh, Josh and Benjamin to come up with two games, two free games, or how many games you want that were cancelled and you never really got. So I'm going to start off by asking you, Josh, what game did you have cancelled that you really wish you had? I wasn't expecting this. I didn't know you'd come to me first, Ben, ah, ben I Roy. you first. Um, well, the first one I want to talk about is, oh, it's, it's, it's the big obvious one, I think. It's the one everyone is still mourning over, and it's Silent Hills. Oh. It's the PT demo made by Hideo Kojima in Guillermo del Toro, whose name I always mispronounce, despite my best efforts. Uh, yeah, this, this game, I feel like everyone was craving a new Silent Hill game for such a long time, and to have two you know, distinct creators attached to it. it the idea of them doing some, some, something together, the idea of it being attached to this playable teaser that was just dropped out the blue that no one knew anything about was so tantalizing. And I think it helps that the game itself, we have no idea what it was going to be. We know that it was probably going to be completely different from the actual playable teaser that we got. But at the same time, the promise of what they could come up with and the, what was already in that you know demo itself was incredible. To this day, PT is st- still one of my favorite horror games of all time, which is probably more like a comment on how stagnant that genre has been over the past few years rather than its own quality. But honestly, that is something I will never get over. A lot of these games, I think might not have turned out well. After all, there's a reason that they were cancelled, but PT's not one of them. Isn't, isn't that the point with PT, though, that it needed someone from outside the industry to reinvigorate the genre, perhaps? Yeah, I think you might be right there, because when it comes... The thing about horror, horror games, is that when it comes to, you know, making them, there are a set of conventions, yeah. and that doesn't necessarily lend itself to surprise or scares, if that makes sense. Once as genre becomes popular and people start kind of copying it or riffing off it, you, you, well, there's an expectation there. The original Silent Hill, even in itself, was something of uh, Resident Evil, not exactly a clone, but it was very much following the st- footsteps of Konami survival horror. Konami saw that and was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we'll have that. And then then Capcom went, yeah, we'll have that for Resident <laughs> Evil 7. So, <laughs> But um, you need someone like a Kojima, I think, to just go, lol, conventions, give me this here and let me do what I want. And I'm not going to lie, I would have worried about Kojima over-explaining the horror, because that's my least favourite part about any kind of horror story is when 
the the core of what's supposed to be scary is over explained because I don't like knowing what it is. I like the idea of the unknown more and I would worry that Kojima would get a bit too indulgent with that stuff but at the same time we can never know because cancelled games you, only exist in our heads. Do you think Del Toro would have kept him in balance a little bit though? Because his, fil- his films are, are known for being a lot more suggestive and implied yeah. rather than direct. Well, it's interesting. I don't know what capacity he was on board with. I don't know whether he was there mostly for the designs or for the actual story itself. Like, I, I, I would have hoped he would rein him in a little bit. I feel like I'd have wanted it to be more collaborative. Well, I also think his pres- <laughs> the prestige of him as a director, he, he probably wouldn't want his name or his reputation dragged through the muck by some of Kajima's yeah. usual nonsense. Yes. Well, but then again, he likes a lot of nonsense as well. He does, but his nonsense is usually logical in some regard. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> Silent Hills for me... Silent Hills. A PT for me was the scariest thing I think I've ever played to this day still, apart mm-hmm. from... I can't remember the name of that game, but the game where you take pictures of ghosts. Oh, Fertile for M. Yes. Yes. But PT for me really ruined me and I had to actually look up a guide to finish it because I like finding little tiny spots in that thing <laughs> was almost impossible but I just want to know do you think that we've actually got that game because you think about it PT had a baby in a little sink you carry a baby on Norman Reedus and also we had Del Toro back there like loving life I think we actually got elements of this game within Silent Hill and we even got if you look at the beginning of um, uh, Death Stranding yeah. uh, we got the sort of the area where Norman Reedus walks down at the very end, that sort of location Uh, is almost building for building the exact same shot. I think you're right. I do think elements no doubt turned up in Death Stranding. And I remember when Death Stranding was first announced with the launch trailer, and there was a part of me that clung on to the hope that it could have been Silent Hills, even though it was impossible with the licenses and stuff. What I want to ask you guys, though, is... To be honest, as much as I loved PT and I was looking forward to Silent Hills, I was there was a part of me, a little part of me, that was perhaps a touch disappointed that it was going to be based on the Silent Hill franchise. Like, when I saw how inventive that playable teaser was, there's a part of me that kind of wishes it could have been its own game. I worried whether it might be shackled by the history or the expectation of it being a Silent Hill game, and maybe it will succeed if Kojima can repurpose some of those ideas going forward and make an original uh, title like that it doesn't have that franchise baggage i don't know i will say after re-watching silent hill revelations the 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 motion picture of course for the first time in i think it's 10 years or something i almost don't want anything silent hill ever again <laughs> but i think the thing is with silent hill is like you say it's locked to that franchise but they can pretty much do what they want as soon as you go into the other side and as soon as like any character enters hell it's all up for grabs I mean it can get as disgusting as it wants and it can get as gory I think that sure it's gonna always have roots locked down but I think this would have been a nice way of Kojima sort of like hopping off and trying something different no I, I agree and I think in an ideal world the the scope of what Silent Hill is would you, would have afforded them that freedom but I wonder whether the realities of Konami wanting a Silent Hill game and the fans having you know including me having an understanding of what a Silent Hill game even is might have you know implicitly added a Plus, few limitations we all, on we all know the reasons why Kojima ended up leaving Konami and that's because he was being constantly restricted Yes, exactly, yeah. So it seems almost certainly that he was going to be bound to some certain like preconceived expectations. Yeah, and sometimes definitely. people just need creative freedom, like Benjamin. I, I gave you creative freedom to come up with a game. Nice little segue. What is your first I game? One that I can't even say on air, so that's a good start. <laughs> I will use uh, a Pratchettism to describe this game. It was uh, <laughs> an action adventure called The Women of Negotiable Affection of the... <laughs> 
East. Oh, so, sorry, guys. I, I have no again. idea what this is about, it's, so you're going to have to explain okay, story time. The actual, the actual name of the game is, uh, I, I don't want to use this word because it is a slur, uh, it begins with a W, H, ends in an E, of, of the Orient, which is also a racial slur as well, so you can sort of see already why this game didn't make it out. But what this, year was this going to be made? This was scheduled tentatively for something... About 2015, I think. Yeah. Or 2016. I was expecting the, the no, attitude no, no, or something like that. This isn't, this isn't a sequel to the adventure game Heart of China or anything like that. It's a, wow. This was a follow-up to L.A. Noir, not a direct follow-up, but like it was the same team. It was a team that uh, came out of Team Bondi, what was left of it, and they wanted to sort of reuse that engine and the concepts that they designed, the face scan technology that they'd come up with to, to, to make basically a new story and try and build upon the iOS for Ellen Noir. Well, it's actually interesting because this is a game that I didn't know I wanted until after I found out it had been cancelled four years earlier. <laughs> so I only, I only actually got around to playing Ellen Noir last year. And I came away from that thinking, this game had so much potential that it couldn't live up to. I wonder how Ellen Noir like, would play now because well, I played exactly it that. as it came out, so, so it was like groundbreaking every, Everybody knows probably who's played Ellen Noir or even just vaguely is aware of it will know what its biggest problems were apart, apart from its development. And that was that it had this big open world that was insisted on by the publishers that didn't really serve any purpose. Uh, it had sort of very ambiguous uh, interrogation sequences. Where I could... doubt that, and then you just shout at someone and ruin yeah, their day. Exactly, like, exactly. What's going on? Yeah, and it also had very wonky uh, animation from the neck downwards. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, but but it's, it's, you still come away, even though the, the overall experience is not necessarily a pleasant one. You come away feeling like, I, I got something out of this. There's a certain charm to it, and there's a certain honesty to this yeah. game. Uh, and, and you think this a sequel of this game could be fantastic. And this is basically what the uh, the, I won't repeat it again, but the, the Orient was going to be, only it was going to be set in a location that hasn't really been explored, a period of history that hasn't been explored much in game, and that was in the um, pre-war China and Shanghai. So this was a time during the Chinese Civil War between the Kuomintang and the communists, and it was also during the time of Japanese occupation. It was just before the murder coalition as well. So it's that, that, in, that would make a really, really interesting setting for some very, very interesting stories and a lot of different allegiances and uh, like a lot of moral ambiguity. And it would have been fantastic to see how that played out. Now, unfortunately, as anyone who's read about Eloan will also know, had a, a very difficult production. There was um, a lot of uh, development mal malpractice from the studio, people forced to work ridiculous hours, not properly compensated for it. Uh, Brendan McNamara was dragged through the calls after the fact by a lot of his employees. Uh, and basically, uh, Bondi couldn't secure any further funding after that because no one wanted to work for him. So what happened is a team of their developers left and they formed a coalition with a company, I think it was called Kennedy Mitchell Miller. But even though I think they've got $200,000 uh, bursary from the Australian government, yeah. to it, but ultimately they didn't have a funding for it. Like, no, there was still that stain. It was very, that, that hangover. very sort of like a big sort of scope for their first game, I think. Yeah. Especially I, the facial te they technology. They were taking the technology over. They still had the tools. They still had the, obviously, the personnel and the knowledge base. But you look how long it took it for L.A. Noir to be developed. And that was with the help of Rockstar. Yeah. I think this game had no chance at all. And. It's, it's, it's a great shame it was cancelled because it would have been something very unique. It would have been totally different 
But given the hell went through developing the first game, it maybe was for the best. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm always conflicted on this because when it was announced at the time, I was really looking forward to it, not having uh, really known all of the internal mess that was yeah. going on at Bondi and um, Rockstar. But even then, knowing about how long the first game was in development and how much Rockstar helped, I, I was never confident that it was actually going to come well, you out. You see, with L.A. Noir, as much as I sort of enjoyed it, when I came away from it, I read about the turmoil. That, yeah. that plagued its development. I thought, was any of this worth it? Ultimately, no. These yeah. people went through hell and to develop this sort of patchy game. And I, I, it probably would have been best had they not done so. What I will ask Benji, because Rockstar still owned the Eleanor license, would you be at all interested in a straight follow-up made only by Rockstar? No, because I don't personally, and if this is not necessarily a nice thing to say, I don't want Brendan to make any more money in royalties off right. this game that, that he tortured people for. I, I would... Yeah, in, in terms of the game itself, I would like to say it, yeah. But ethically, no. Yeah. Well, going from a very unique game to one that wouldn't be unique at all. <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> Jedi Knight 3, Brink of Darkness. Yes, another Star Wars game. I'm a Star Wars fan. I can't. Ha- I, I need this Star Wars title. Please tell me more about this, right? Because I didn't even know if this was a thing until you mentioned it before we started recording. Sorry, before you get into this, I just want to interrupt and put my way I feel on this subject. Do it. One of the cancelled games I was looking forward to, I was a Sam and Max yes. uh, sequel back in about 97, which was cancelled because LucasArts wanted to just make Star Wars games. I heavily resent Star Wars games as a consequence of that. <laughs> Look. And I'm glad to see one of them cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> you can leave Carl Gatton out of your like <laughs> war crimes there. But yes, so Jedi, uh, Star Wars the Jedi Knight series has gone, had gone for ages, but like I'm just going to skip all that and go to the, the recent two, which was Outcast and the Academy. They were following on from Kalkatan, who was a former Jedi, a former Imperial stormtrooper. He was now like sort of like a ragtag, sort of like a, I would say, I hate to use the hand solo type, but he was a, mm. a gun for hire for the Rebellion. And we got a nice little story in Outcast, probably the better of the two when we got to Outcast and Academy of Kalkatan coming to face with becoming a Jedi again and like first getting these powers out of anger and hey like he thinks his I can't remember her name at the moment he thinks his spouse is his partner has been murdered by, by Dasan uh, no not Mrs. Katan at all actually <laughs> quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And um, he goes to get the power of the jelly back. And then, cool, we got through that. And by, by the end, it turns from a first-person shooter into like a pretty decent third-person platformer action-adventure sort of game in the Star Wars universe. And then we get to Academy, which is basically the refinement of that formula and taking powers that you were sort of restricted in Outcast. You had to wait and you had no choice being Academy. You were a Catan's Padawan. So you could be any sort of form of an alien. You could look like Plocoon if you wanted. You could be a male. You could be a female. And you could choose the path you went down. So you could choose, like, do I want to focus my uh, force points into force choke so I can throw people off the edge? Do I just want to yes. heal myself? Or do I want to, you know, lightning, unlimited broadband sort of thing? <laughs> but then that game gets left on cliffhanger, and that has two endings. You can either, as um, Jaden, uh, Karl Katarn's Padawan, you can either go to the dark side of the force, or you could be a good guy. And it ends pretty much there. And so if you're if you're a dark Jedi, you fight Katan, you beat him, but you don't actually kill him. And if you're a good guy, you help Katan out, and then you sort of like at the end, and you're you just left on a cliffhanger. We don't know what's going to happen next. And reading about this game, it was going to finally end the Kal Katan sort of arc. Something that it's just so annoying that we got so far, so many games, and we never got to the end. So why didn't they make this third and final game? They just decided not to. Oh. It's, it, from what I can find out, uh, LucasArts just moved away from the Jedi Knight series in like was this, totally. Was this part of Disney's drive to to place a lot of Star Wars content as, as like in, in the legacy category and start fresh? Well, Disney Disney weren't really involved at the time. It was like the early two thousands. They just started. Um, they went from making sort of like the Jedi Knight games to cranking out. Uh, which I think is probably the issue here, prequel games. Ah, uh, so we got okay. so we does, got this does, wave of prequel stuff after well, that. Question: And does the Disney factor mean that there's virtually no chance of ever being any resolution on the Carl Katana? We don't get non-canon games exactly. anymore, yeah. and the problem is if they bring Carl Katana to canon, where do they bring him in? And he wouldn't. I don't think at this uh, time and place, I don't that think said, he suits in. The, the new uh, Knights of the Old Republic is surely based on the canon of Old Republic. So they're taking the groundwork from that. But the thing is, that was never explored by the films or anything. With this era, it is now being sort of replaced with the um, the Aftermath novels. And that period between the Death Star 2 and Starkiller Base is kind of already been like paved over. And we've and Jedi, what's that? Fallen, Fallen Order. Order. Fallen Order. Carl Kestis is kind of replacing that, those sort of like 
oh, well, there was only one Jedi, but then there's more sort of thing. Yeah. And that's, sorry, that's actually the wrong period of time. So just, just but, speaking hypothetically, if, if it was another Jedi Knight game, yes. would you like it to be in the sort of third person sort of pseudo RPG form of Jedi Academy or would you prefer it to go back to the roots as a first person shooter in Dark Forces 2? I would want I would, I'm greedy I want both I want, yeah, because I think it's been I thought Dark Horses 2 in particular was great and that's not something that we really see out of Star Wars games now yeah, yeah. I want to be able to get my E11 out and sh- try and shoot someone with it but then switch to a lightsaber and throw it at someone's <laughs> face and cut their arms off I, like I used to love those games right but I'm not going to lie I was never a fan of Kyle Katan. I know that's, that's he's the best Travis to say because so many Star Wars fans love him but I, I preferred to play as my strange little own character in Jedi Academy and have the strange double lightsabers of weird colours rather than be Kyle well, I had a friend called Kyle and I used to resent the fact that he was in a game and I wasn't he wasn't <laughs> the same person well because you're offended me and I'm hosting the pod I'm going to go next with uh, Glover 2 because not, not, not many people <laughs> talk about Glover and Glover was a great game when you played as a glove okay. and what you had is to, Glover? you had to get a magical crystal from one part of the level to the other Josh Brown but the Brilliant. thing is you could transform this crystal into a bouncy ball a bowling ball other balls that I can't really remember right now basically just different balls of different sort of like it's 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 the texture and balls yeah game. brilliant okay so I was saying to Ben right before we came on the pod Josh Glover you played as the right hand yeah and Glover two you played as the left hand but <laughs> in Glover three the potential Glover three would you have brought both hands together you know uh, I think Glover so. Glover came out in a really inventive time when you had such good talent working on things like Buck Bumble and all that sort of things inventive is where, so generous I mean yeah, well, yeah, particularly yeah. on the N sixty four was a lot yeah. of inventive platforms Glover obviously in Buck Bumble you just mentioned there was also uh, the Sucker Punch game Rocket Rock on wheels which is very much overlooked chameleon twist which is a good game where you lick the environment there's uh, Iggy's wrecking balls and I think Glover was one of the best of all of us do you want to know why Glover 2 didn't happen though yeah, do you know why desperately the, do, the Glover it? series <laughs> I, died at Glover 1 I don't know anything about Glover right I'm going to put that out there You're but I was promised I was promised before starting this that it had an amazing story that made you chuckle while reading it so <laughs> yes, come on it did but I don't care about that right now I'm going to tell you why Glover 2 died because good old Nintendo, good old, um, I'm going to say blame Reggie even though it wasn't there. Back in the day of the N64, like uh, Nintendo Nintendo had sort of the monopoly on the cartridges, right? That's why they're in the business. They were, we're only going to sell you this many cartridges and we're going to restrict strengths and you can, I think the only five games a year thing was gone by them, right? Yeah, but, I mean, this is a hangover from the Famicom era yeah. when the controlled production, but yeah, but, still very strict. So when Glover, when Hasbro was making Glover, they were oh, we only want to make 150,000 units. But in N64, Nintendo were like, oh, mate, how, how do you feel about having uh, uh, <laughs> double that? 300,000, 300,000, come on, half price. Some, some sort of deal. We never see the figures. But good old Nintendo, all right, mate, you want, you want a couple of these? Did that. And guess what? They took it, but then they didn't sell 300,000 copies. <laughs> and then they were left with almost 100,000 copies of Glover just sitting about that I'm going to buy one off eBay after this. I was going to say, have you not ordered them all? I, I'm going to buy one. I don't know if it ended up happening like E.T. where it gets put in the ditch. But Nintendo killed Glover by trying to get more Glover made. When was this? When 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 did this happen? It was the Attitude Era. It was the 90s. Uh, 98, just, I think. Yeah. 90, that's... A, that's much later than I expected something like yeah. this to happen. So Nintendo killed Glover by going, do you want to make more? And then they bought them all and then they killed the game. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Glover, man. Is, is there Glover. any chance for a Glover 3 revival? Or, well, we have no. a Glover 2, yeah. Yeah, I... 
Well, the, the Glover is, Cinematic Universe guy. Well, <laughs> Glover 2, he plays left hand. Glover 3, both hands. Glover 4, get some boots in there. The only chance of it happening is if Childish Gambino, Donald Glover, <laughs> is a huge fan of platform games. <laughs> Could you imagine that smirky face as he's playing Landau Crozen? Let's just smile. Um, out my club. I can as it happens. Losing my actual I just, I'm mind. I'm just thinking about the, the, the weird like swing of inconfidence between we don't want to make 300,000 because we don't think the game's good enough. However, we do want to make a sequel. <laughs> yeah, however, here's a... <laughs> Here's a deal from Nintendo. <laughs> oh, we're dead. Uh, so do either of you want to go on the final game? I don't think I can follow that, Ben. Whoever you got. Uh, well, I've got a game that isn't really technically a game, so that's good, but it's... Uh, well, let's be quick. This not game. I'll be there. very very brief. This had a very brief cycle. It was a fan-developed remake of Chrono Trigger, the ah. SNES time-traveling classic RPG. Uh, they originally wanted to make it with the N64, not with a glove. <laughs> but eventually the, the, the project evolved to the point where we're making it, I think, in a very early form of the Unreal Engine and like with very good quality graphics and some professional people. I think they had an animator for who had worked on the Matrix, mm. or the Matrix Revolutions. Uh, they wanted to do like 10 remakes, like 10 scenarios from the game, like super high quality. This is in 2004 as well, back when fan games like this weren't very common. And uh, Square Enix, as you can imagine, got the hump. They got sent the lawyers down and said, no, nah, stop this right this instance. Because obviously one day they might have wanted to make a Chrono Trigger remake of their own. Yeah, we but probably the, will after. Well, like... the tragedy of this is that it's 16 years on and they've done absolutely nothing with the franchise since. We, you can't even play Chrono Cross, its sequel, unless you've got a US copy on the PS1. It's frustrating that because obviously they're entirely in their right to do that because they yeah. own the IP yeah. or whatever. But at the same time, it's 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 annoying when they're do bringing the hammer down and then refusing to just do anything other than sit on this license that people clearly want to see more of or remastered or whatever. I just, I'm just thinking of Glover and how they couldn't, Nintendo could have done a, the Power Glove, like they could have done a crossover <laughs> and we would have had that. But um, I'm really sad, yeah. I never played Chrono Trigger, sadly. I've just watched it all. You anyway, can, we're going to go on to questions now, ah. Benjamin, because I am just so upset about Glover. Not oh, do we not care about my final game, eh, Benroy? Uh, uh, the you, gloves are off. It, now, was a, it was Alan Wake 2, if anyone wants <laughs> to know. But uh, I care about Alan Wake 2 as well, but <laughs> the problem is we've got some big dads coming in soon and I don't want to get beaten for it. <laughs> yeah, the dadly boys are on the way. So if you want to send a question to us, we would like you to do that with the hashtag WCGP. And our first one comes from Dr. Coctopus. And it Brilliant. is... We're going to be a lightning round here. And I'm going to read the first part of it because I want to. Uh, what is your favourite PS1 game? Um, it was... Um, I don't have any idea. Metal Gear Solid, Apocalypse with Bruce Willis in it, maybe. That so, was always really good. So, so, Bugs and Taz. What was it? Adventures in Time or something? Yeah. Time Twisters. That's pretty good. That was really nice. Sounds legit. Benjamin? Very uh, safe choice. Final Fantasy IX. Ah, see... Mine would probably be Glover or <laughs> maybe one of the Rugrats games because they were bad. The Rugrats, they were really good. I talked about that in the Chatty Faces this week. What, is that, scary, what really was that good. South Park game where it was the first person shooter with turkeys that came out of the midst? That was one of the first games I ever played and I hated it. It was terrifying. It, it, was a, it was a horror game. Is that one called South Park? Uh, South Park. That's where I'm from. South Park hailed for chief or something like that. <laughs> maybe. That was a different Chef, one, I think. Chef, uh, Chef, 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 Chef's Love Shack was amazing, but that yeah. was not the game. It was yeah. South Park 64 one. was a first person shooter, but obviously that wasn't on the PS1. No, I think, I'm pretty sure it came PS1. I think it did. I well, yeah. The same one. yeah, well, okay, they must have. Like, the people didn't think, <laughs> think the legendary Glover came uh, to I, PS1. No, I was surprised to learn that, quite honestly. But, uh, come on, it's Resident Evil 2. Anyway, uh, one from Nicholas Cobbs, and it is going to be... 
the question is, you're illegally allowed to carry around one video game weapon. What would it be? And yes, this is in public. So quick fire, Josh. What weapon do you want to carry around? I can't answer this because I'm questioning the motives of the question. Yeah, I don't know why I'd to. want to carry around a video game weapon. Like, as a prop, like an actual weapon to yeah. scare people with. Well, uh, you can do whatever you want. If you choose to kill people with this weapon, then we will find out what type of person you are. Um, well, it's 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 not... It's kind of... Ca- kind of counts I think but you know when you get inflatable versions of yourself in Metal Gear Solid 5 to yes. distract people I'd like one of those to throw around the street and then nip away like I could do it when I'm walking with my mum and dad or something down the street throw out an inflatable version of me and then I could nip off to McDonald's or something or keep I slack on that's already legal <laughs> that's it a good point yeah it shouldn't be but it is decoys <laughs> that's, that's amazing Benjamin oh, I don't know a big knife <laughs> <laughs> not even the biggest knife that no, big Final Fantasy that no, big cloud knife that big cloud knife if I was going right? to pick a Final Fantasy weapon it'd be the megaphones okay well, it was so, it's ridiculous carrying around a megaphone shouting at his opponents to death it's true and get out of the way and and things like that. Get, get away, go on. I'm going to cheat and be simple here. I'm going to use the glove from Glover and I'm going to hold a lightsaber with it and kill everyone. I resent you. So, yes, that was the What Culture Gaming podcast. Don't forget, if you want to write into us, use the hashtag WCGP to have your questions read on the air. I've been Ben Turner. I've been hosting instead of Scott Telford. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this and then give me a smack afterwards. <laughs> uh, you can listen to Benjamin. Where can they follow you? Uh, they can follow me uh, on Twitter at BRFreeput. And they can follow you in the street. If they're uh, fast enough, yeah. Josh Brown, yeah. where can they follow you? Well, I'm normally just walking around Newcastle, so like, you oh, might unless stumble. Unless it's going to be a Unless it's going to be decoys, yeah. Keep an eye out for oh. that. But um, also at Josh Brown with two O's on Twitter. You can find me around the Newcastle area, com- normally coming out of a KFC, and I'm <laughs> at Ben Roy Turner. Please also follow us at uh, What Culture WC Gaming. That's an annoying Twitter what account. Culture Gaming. If you type What Culture Gaming, What Culture Gaming, it. type that into the internet. Use any search <laughs> engine. Ask Jeeves if it's still around. <laughs> and again, I've been Ben Returner. This has been Benjamin Richardson and Josh Brown. Goodbye. 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 See ya. Layers. I'm never talking about Glover again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to pull it up a second. You get home. <laughs> <laughs>